Blog Talk Radio. Another edition of the Total Sports Live podcast here on Block Talk Radio. Like like I said before, every and every podcast that we do, you can check it out on multiple platforms. First and foremost, you can check it out right here on blogtalkradio.com backslash Total Sports Live, or you can check it out on your smartphone if you got an Android, Apple, any any phone that has a have a uh, have an App Store, Google Play, uh, iTunes. Go there. Uh, download the TuneIn Radio app, and then from there, search Total Sports Live TSL Podcast. We really appreciate everyone that listens to us from over here on that app, and then we're also on iTunes. Yep, if you got, like I said, an iPhone, go to the iTunes store. I mean, not go to iTunes store, excuse me. If you got an iPhone, iPod, iPad, or on your computer, if you're on your computer, just go to the iTunes and go go to go to the iTunes desktop app, and then and then search podcast. If you're on your phone, just go to the podcast app, search Total Sports Live, hit that subscribe button, leave us a review as we're trying to make this podcast better for your listening pleasure. And first and foremost, don't forget to check out totalsportslive.com for all your latest and greatest, not only in Philadelphia sports, but anything that's happening in the sports. We try to compare the website to what you guys want to uh, read from us, and, and that's how the podcast is pretty much built around. But uh, get through all that mumbo-jumbo. We got a good show for everyone as we are going to be talking about the Eagles' victory from Sunday as they defeated, as I'm going to call them now, the Los Angeles Chargers of Carson, because uh, I think we'll be going to Carson, California, eventually with the new stadium, but we're just going to call them like that because every team in L.A. seems like they want to go by Los Angeles, da 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 of Anaheim, blah, blah, blah. We want to treat the Chargers like that, even though their fans don't even treat them like that. But anywho, we're going to talk about that game. We're going to talk about LeGarrette Blount's big day. Uh, the secondary, which did not look – they looked kind of shaky in the second half. Same thing happened to the Giants. We're going to talk about that. Is that a concern? Torrey Smith, is his slump concerning? Is a concern to you? And then we're also going to move on and look and talk about the Philadelphia Phillies. Their season wrapped up on Sunday as well. They defeated New York Mets 11-0 to finish the season 66-96. We're going to look back and see just what impressed us from this season and, you know, what can we look forward to in 2018 because it could be a special season for the Phillies if things break right for them. And then finally, as always, we end off with our final thought on the podcast. But as always, you already know who I bring on my on the podcast with me, my co-host, the one and only Angela Montoni. Angela, how are you doing on this, what, Tuesday night that we're recording this podcast? I was about to say Sunday night, but it's Tuesday night, and how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? Obviously, my allergy attack that plagued me last night has subsided. I wish this damn weather would make up its mind, but, you know, that's another whole story. 
Yes, that is, it is a whole other story, but I'm definitely glad that you are much better. That's how we didn't have a show yeah, yet, folks. We actually, <laughs> no longer, we actually look out for our, we actually No, I, I no longer sound like I need here. a pocket protector, so. Yeah, yeah, she said she couldn't breathe, and I said, oh, Lord. I was like, yeah, let's not have this podcast. Let's just push it back to tomorrow. You need to feel better. We don't need you mm. not sounding like you could talk. We'll, we'll push it back. Yeah, but I didn't sound that attractive last night, so it's probably a good thing that we did. <laughs> but we're here talking about the Eagles. We didn't talk about the Eagles last week, and I forgot why we didn't do it. I think I think I wasn't feeling well myself. I think that's what happened. I think I wasn't feeling well. I we just been feeling well. Like you said, the weather got to make up its mind. I blame the weather. We'll just put the blame on the, on the weather for why we're not feeling well. But, hey, like I said, we're back. Eagles win. Second one in a row, and the three and one. This three and one feels much better than last year's three and one, where they totally lost the game against Detroit when Carson Wentz decided he was going to go deep to Nelson Aguilar and gets picked off. This time around, the Eagles find a way to win. They run the ball, smash mouth football. The OG Legarrette Blunt doing the damn thing. The running back rotation was pretty good. The defense held on, even though it was showing signs of shaking us like they did in the second half. But all in all, the Eagles, unlike last season where they found ways to lose games, they find a way to win on Sunday. They totally did. And, like, I had to – I got to be honest. I had to watch the condensed version of the game because I was working on Sunday. And for whatever reason, all of my coworkers had, like, all kinds of time to just sit around and watch football and me running, like, four or five tables at once. You know, had I was a little bit irritated by that, but uh, but I had to watch the condensed version of it. I wish I would have been able to see it in live action because it really was a it was a well played game. Uh, like you said, the defense definitely showed signs of fatigue, but uh, luckily it didn't do them in. And uh-huh. the whole, you know, there were more Eagles fans than Chargers fans in that stadium it was kind of exciting. Uh, obviously, we travel well with our team, so good job, fans. And I don't know. I mean, the Chargers just really haven't been anything special over the past few years. And, you know, Phillip Rivers isn't a bad quarterback, but, you know, you can't – he – it's not to say that he doesn't have weapons because Keenan Allen's a really good receiver. And, you know, he definitely had Antonio Gates in Gates' prime. But I don't know. I think it's one of those things where um, the Chargers never really gave Phillip Rivers multiple weapons in one season in their prime and healthy. So I don't think you can necessarily blame him for that, but that team has just unfortunately been buried in muck and mire for so many years. Uh, If the Eagles didn't win that game, I would really be concerned about uh, their performance, but they did. I think that this was a game that we pretty much all had them locked to win. I don't really like how close it got, but a W is a W, so let's just breathe and regroup and go into next week. You know, they're 3-1. Yeah, this 3-1 feels a lot better than – it feels a lot better even than the 3-0 and last season. Mm-hmm. You know, that one loss – that one loss came to the Chiefs, and, you know, Kansas City's playing really, really well. They're one of the best teams in the NFL right now, so there really is no shame in that in that loss. And I think they've played better. I think they look better. And I think the most important thing is the team is actually playing cohesively. 
at this point. Like they're playing together. Or as I said last think, year, it was yeah. Go ahead. No, I was about to just you know jump in. I said I agree with you. There is a more togetherness with this team. And everybody mm-hmm. cares, and like you said, this even still better than three and zero because three and zero. I think last year at uh, when we were three and zero, we were kind of shocked because it was like we're doing this with a rookie quarterback, and we don't have the best wide receivers either. But somehow we're three and one, and you're like, okay, we really feel good about ourselves. Nobody thought we would get to this point at three and zero. You beat the Steelers. We uh, week three, so you're really feeling good about yourself. You handled business on Monday night the week prior in Chicago, so you're thinking, okay, maybe we got some. And then obviously you know what happened after that, the stealing kind of, the you know, the, the, the roof kind of caved in on the Eagles, and it didn't go well for them the rest of the season. But like you said, this year, 3-1 and one feels much better, and it would have sucked. Like you said, they had lost this game, especially – losing to a team coming in that was 0-3 after you just beat a team that was just 0-2 when you played them. Last week in the Giants, who are now 0-4 themselves. So, hey, yeah, like you said, NFL is a win, and a, a win is a win, and you just somehow just beat up on two teams that are undefeated but both have talent at wide receiver. Because, like you said, Aaron, Phillip Rivers actually wasn't bad last week. And that's the thing. He wasn't bad yeah. on Sunday. That was actually good Phillip Rivers. And they survive somehow. And that's the thing, man. Sometimes with football teams, like a sign of a good team is just the ability to survive, even if you're down or even if the other team's putting you on the ropes. Like, you got to be able to put away teams that you're better than. And they're doing a really good job of that right now. So I remain hopeful. I mean, I'm not ready to raise my playoff banner yet. Like I think a lot of people in the city are, but uh-huh. I, I'm hopeful at least not for this season, but for next. And I don't want to be like that. I don't want to like already be looking the next season because we're still, we have a good record and the season's still really early, but even if they don't win the division or get one of those wild card spots, like they will be back with a vengeance next year. As of right now, I mean, it's typical NFC East where it looks like it's anybody's game. We're winning right now. Anybody but the Giants. Sorry. Um, You know, we're ahead right now and hopefully stay there. But even if, you know, there are some late season collapses, I still think it's it's a progress thing. And this season is still better than last season. And I mean, we hope they made the playoffs, but if not, you know, there are still plenty of positives already in how short the season is that we can look at. And I think that's the important thing. It sure is the important thing. There's already positives. You know, Carson Wentz, he's starting to look much better, especially in this in this game against the Chargers. Had a couple of great throws. The one throw to Nelson Aguilar, perfect touch. The one that Zach Ertz late in the game, perfect touch. I think he needs to keep that perfect touch when he's definitely throwing that deep ball. He needs that perfect touch. And we're talking, you are you mentioned it. Uh you you high, you highlighted on the highlighted on it how there's a lot of positive. I gotta think a positive right now was the running game. Doug Peterson's committed to the running game, especially against two teams in back to back weeks that are horrible against the run. He pounded a rock. And look what happened. LeGarrette Blunt turned in a huge game, and it was and it was the revenge. 
um, a blunt. He had 16 carries for 136 yards, including that 68-yard uh, uh, run, which people ha- are now claiming that to be beast mode-esque. I'm going to leave that up to you for you to decide if that was beast mode-esque. But, hey, LeGarrette Blunt, he really, she's really been showing up these last two weeks. And just the running game in general, the rotations, the how they're using these guys, especially Corey Clement and Wendell Smallwood, especially how you Smallwood in the receiving game, I was really impressed with. A really good job by Doug Peterson. Got to give coach credit, and you got to give credit to the running backs, this, especially this past week. No, I totally do, and I think that it's a really good thing that Doug is finally using LeGarrette Blunt the way he should be, um, mm-hmm. not east-westing him, but north-south. Like, he's a downhill runner, and that's that's how he's using him, and that's a good thing. Um, <clears throat> that run that you speak of was a, an amazing play, but you know, to say that he went complete beast mode, I don't know. I don't want to say it's a stretch, but, you know, people – if you're not familiar with the run that actually gave Marshawn Lynch that moniker, that was the run against the Saints where literally like 12 players bounced off of him. <laughs> so while LeGarrette's play was a really great running back play, I don't necessarily know if I would say quote-unquote beast mode because, again, like – that beat that beast mood run that that gave him that moniker. Like if any if no one's ever seen it, you know you can easily Google the the highlights of it. But like there were about twelve players that he just like either stiff armed or dug his shoulder into, or I think he headbutted a couple of them. Uh, you know that was just one of those like phenomenal plays that I don't think you ever really see again. Or if you do, it takes a couple years in between. Um, but that doesn't take away from what Legarrette Blunt did on Sunday because I think we all knew that Le'Ara Blunt really had the uh, potential and wherewithal to be the number one running back when they signed him. And now, unfortunately, with Darren Scrolls out, he's he's the number one guy. But it's good to see Doug commit to the running game. I mean, it's not necessarily good for people who have Carson Wentz on their fantasy team, but it's good for the Eagles in general and, you know, I'm one of those like psycho fantasy players, but my team's performance will always trump um, my fantasy team. Like I'd rather take the mm-hmm. L and the Eagles win. And hopefully, there are a lot of people in Philly that feel the same way. Because if you honestly care about your fantasy teams win more than the Eagles win, then you're not really a fan. Exactly, and I hope people do understand that that Eagles win comes before fantasy win, and I hope people, you know, decided, hey, Garrett Blunt actually had a good game. Maybe I should pick him up on my fantasy team. Or, or Wendell Smallwood had a solid game. Maybe I should pick him up. I'm just throwing a little hint out oh, there for people who. I drafted Garrett Blunt. Just so you know. There you go. There you go. You're smart. And then I mentioned Wendell Smallwood in my column, my fantasy column last week for the Philadelphia Tribune. I said Wendell Smallwood would be a great waiver wire pickup for anybody just with the injury that I threw in Corey Clement. So I'm feeling kind of good about myself right now, actually. I'm feeling really, like, and warm and fuzzy inside. And if Eddie Lacy is still available in uh, your fantasy leagues with, uh, excuse me, Chris Carson going down Sunday night. Yeah, yeah. Might be worth a pickup because they – I know. 
it's a damn shame. Like those those Seattle running backs, they can't stay healthy worth a damn. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if Eddie Lacy's still available, when he got a couple snaps after Carson went down, he was out there running like he was running after China food. So <laughs> pretty good sign. And definitely is a good sign. We're going to talk more about fantasy later when we give our best fantasy player the de- best fantasy player of the week. Talking about last week when we touch on that, but continuing. On, uh, continuing to talk about the Eagles game, one thing that kind of had me a little nervous, Angie, and we just and we touched on it earlier in the show, the secondary, they started to show signs of breaking again. The young guys started to show their age a little bit because they couldn't stop Keenan Allen and they couldn't stop Tyrell Williams. They were giving up the big play, and you can't have that, and you can't have the penalties like the Eagles defense they had late that that helped the Chargers get those last two touchdowns. Defense gotta shore the things up and again the the big play is giving them an issue. We saw last week, you know, Sterling Shep, Sterling Shepherd get an eighty seven yard not last week but two weeks ago, eighty seven yard touched eighty seven or seventy seven yard touchdown. Takes it to the house with no problem. This week we saw Tyrell Williams, big wide receiver, speedy wide receiver who a lot of people haven't been talking about when it comes to the Los Angeles Chargers of Carson, nobody talks about him or Keenan Allen. I think me and you are both happy in just football, football, in just football wise that Keenan Allen is actually healthy because he's had a rough couple of seasons with health, and it's good to see him healthy again. But the secondary, they, they giving up these big plays, and it—I don't want it to become a trend because you're going against the Arizona team who's not playing their best. They only beat San Fran 15 to 13, but they still got playmakers and wide receiver Larry Fitzgerald, John Brown, uh, uh, Chad Williams out of Grambling, JJ Nelson is starting to become a big time playmaker and stretching the field. The speedster out of UAB. There's a lot of playmakers on the offensive side for the Arizona Cardinals. It's just like they saw with the San Diego Chargers and the LA Chargers, and then with the New York Jets the week prior. New York Giants, Jesus Christ. Ah. We're a little bit rusty. It's okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> you're right. And, yeah, the secondary has become a little bit of concern because of the injuries in the secondary, not because of the lack of ability at the secondary like we were talking about last year. So all we have to hope, at least this game and going forward, is that the defensive line holds the line and puts enough pressure on uh, Carson Palmer and – you know, but then again, like they're playing Arizona Cardinals team with a very, very veteran quarterback that yes. that knows what he's doing, uh-huh. and that's the, the type of experience that he has in the pocket and and game experience and career-wise, it's it's very hard to be able to pressure someone like that because a veteran quarterback usually has more presence of mind in the pocket and mm-hmm. they don't like panic and don't throw the ball away as much or if they throw the ball away it's a very deliberate throw the ball away to avoid the loss and not um, throw an interception and better quarterbacks also know when to take the snap or I'm sorry take the, take the sack mm-hmm. so it's a you know it's not I don't think it's a layup like people are saying it is. Uh, on the radio today, 
Mike Missinelli called the Eagles the Stone Cold Lock. I oh, don't God. know if I would go that far. While Can't I would do that. want to believe that they are. No. Uh, no, not at all. I mean, I was like kind of halfway kicking around picking the Eagles in my suicide pool this week. And then I hear Miss Nelly says they're a lock, and I'm like, nope, 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 nope. Not touching that game with a damn 10 foot pole at this point. Not um, going down that path. No. No way. Well, first of all, I don't really like picking the Eagles in the suicide pool regardless, because if I lose on the Eagles, it just pisses me off on the, on the team so much, and I don't really need to be more angry with my team than I already am, because I'm an Eagles fan. There's always a reason to be angry, so. That's the truth. Yeah, but I mean, it's, you know, I think that they should win this game uh, mm-hmm. coming up, but it's not, I don't think it's like a I don't think it's a layup. Like, a lot of people are thinking, like, yeah, like, the the Cardinals aren't that great of a team this year, but they still do have, like, some formidable talent on their roster, and they shouldn't be taken lately. Exactly. And this is another – this is just like the Chargers game where it could be a trap game. It could be a trap because you're thinking, oh, Cardinals, they don't got David Johnson. We don't got to worry about nobody in the running game. We just got to worry about the passing game. Lord knows – Kerwin Williams or Chris Johnson can go off against the Eagles because that's how it would go because everybody's picking the Eagles to win. Like I said, Mr. Nelly's going to stole cold lock, and then the Eagles somehow lose, and then they got a short week next Thursday playing against the Carolina Panthers who are turning the, are turning the tide a little bit. Cam Newton's turned the tide in there and beating the Patriots in comeback fashion. But that's a couple podcasts down the road when we talk about the Panthers. Uh, but I agree with you. I don't know. I can't think take, I think that the Patriots take, defense take is garbage. So. Mm-hmm. so I wouldn't necessarily say, like, Carolina beating the Patriots is, like, the pinnacle of the NFL this season because Patriots hey, defense is kind of garbage. Everybody made it seem like it was, it, was, it was the pinnacle because, remember, everybody was crowning the Patriots before the season as the Super Bowl champion. They were saying, this is the team. That's going to the Super Bowl. But like you said, their defense is pretty much garbage. And I think it starts with the Patriots. Obviously, it starts with their defensive line. They are not getting no push on the defensive line, which you know what happens. And we've seen it here at the Eagles in the past season. You have no pass rush, which leads the quarterbacks just picking your secondary apart one by one, player by player, use and abuse them. And that's what happened to the, the Patriots with Cam Newton. But we'll see what happens when the Eagles face the Panthers, but we got to get through Arizona uh, Arizona first. And another thing that I want to mention from this game, and it's kind of, people are kind of worried a little bit, is that Nelson Aguilar's having a good season. And Alshon Jeffrey's starting to turn, starting starting to turn the corner. We're still waiting for him to have that breakout number one wide receiver game, but it's going to happen. I feel like it's going to happen soon. The one guy a lot of people are really concerned about right now is Torrey Smith. He's dropping passes. People are saying the remnants of Jordan Matthews is still here, even though Jordan Matthews, he's going to be out for at least a month with a busted thumb, which is just how could his year get any worse right now being traded in a busted thumb. But a lot of people, Andrew, are worried about Torrey Smith and his slump. He only had one catch for nine yards um, and three targets. He dropped the easy pass, which could have been a touchdown. We caught it. Same thing in Kansas City. He had a couple drop passes. Are you worried about Torrey Smith? I know he's in a slump. Yeah, I think he's mentioned it on Twitter, how, you know, 
He's he said he's in the worst slump of his career, but you know he's still happy that the team, you know, won because it's about team first. What are your thoughts about you know Tory slump and should we be concerned? Should we be concerned? Like we need to make a move now. Like we need to put uh, Mac Hollins in on on Anderson, an outside receiver. No, I don't think we should be concerned because Tory Smith has had a um you know decent career in the NFL and there's tapes that can back that up so mm-hmm. i don't want to i don't think like him and he's never really been one of those receivers to characteristically characteristically have a bunch of drops mm-hmm. so i don't want to hit the panic button on him yet just like you're saying like Nelson Aguilar, or I'm sorry, like you're saying, Alshon Jeffrey will have that breakout, like number one wide receiver game. I also think that Torrey Smith's going to have his own breakout game at some point here. And, you know, you just you got to understand, too, like in terms of the receivers, Zach Ertz is the one that has Carson Wentz's eye from, for the most yep. part. Like Carson is aiming for Zach Ertz about 90% of the time to mm-hmm. take that into account, too. So I think the sample size with Smith is a little bit small. And two also, I mean, and this can go for Alshon as well, you know, you don't, you can't buy chemistry. You can't build chemistry. You know what I mean? Like you can't just buy these high-priced uh, free agents and know that they're just going to have a great relationship with, with your quarterback. Like that takes time. And I, at least, Carson and Alshon are building something, and hopefully uh, he and Smith are as well. But most of Carson's targets are going towards Ertz because Zach is the uh, is the receiver that Carson has the most history with, and they have a pretty decent rapport. It's just yeah, no. what happens when you have an it. offense that's really, really spread out among multiple people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's the – I guess that's kind of the good thing and the bad thing about Mahomes. Like I said, it's a bad thing because he doesn't really get – he doesn't get a lot of the targets coming his way. But it's also a good thing because it's spread out so deep and can key on, you know, one player here, one player here. Like you said, Zach Ertz kind of has Carson Wentz's eye right now. And that's a good thing because Zach Ertz is still showing up. I think he had another 50-yard game, which is pretty good. Hey, Zach for a thousand, just keep on going. The train keeps on chugging along. He's coming for the Pro Bowl, I'm telling you. He's getting there. He's just moving moving on up. (laughs) He's moving on up. He is moving on up. I'm not worried about Torrey Smith either. Like you said, I agree with you. He's going to have that breakout game. All he needs, and we know this like in any sport, like when a shooter is going through a slump, all they need to do is see that basketball go through the hoop one time for them to get going. Or when a home or when a home run hitter is in a slump, all you need to do is see that ball go off the park one time and they're good. And I think for Smith, yeah. all he all he needs to do is just bust one for, you know, get open and take a touchdown for 40, 50 yards. And I think, you know, when he does that, he'll be good. So I'm not worried. I think Eagles fans should be worried. Like you said, chemistry takes time. With these guys, he knows with Ertz, he knows Nelson Aguilar. This is Jeffrey and Smith's first year and hopefully longer with him. So they'll get it together. So I'm not worried about him at all. 
And um, before we move on to talk about the Philly to wrap up, we got to give our best fantasy player of the week, Ange, and I'm going to start off with Deshaun Watson, the Houston Texans Texans rookie quarterback. I think have I think he may have, I think it was like five total touchdowns or some outrageous number is that as the Texans. Check this out, Damn. folks. Check Texans blew out the Titans, fifty-seven to fourteen. No, that's not a college football score. That's that's not the Houston Cougars not beating up you know the Tennessee Volunteers. That's the Texans beating the Titans, Titans, fifty-seven to fourteen. The Titans obviously lost Marcus Mariota, and then guess who they signed today, folks? Brandon Weed. Brandon Weed. You can't make this stuff up. You really can't make this stuff up. Colin Kaepernick and Ernie. Brandon Weeding gets signed, and somehow Colin Kaepernick doesn't have a job still. I don't understand yep. this whatsoever. Exactly. And RG3 doesn't have a job either. Something, something's real puzzling here with what these teams are doing. I'm not going to F.O. another podcast. But yeah, that's, that's what we, yeah, we, can, we can devote an entire podcast to that. We don't have to, yeah. Yeah, but Deshaun Watson's my fancy player of the week. Player of the week, great game, five total TDs. Um, might be a hint that I'm going to include him in my fantasy column this week uh, as a player that you might need to pick up off your waiver wires if you haven't already and start him because I think he's starting to pick it up. He's got a running game. His weapons are back. Will Fuller is back. Deshaun is starting to get it together. So that's my fantasy player of the week. What about you, Ange? Um, my fantasy player of the week, I don't necessarily want to say that he had, like, a, like one of those, like, top-tier performances. I'm going off mm-hmm. consistency. I got to say Leonard Fournette. That kid is yes. really something special. Yes. That kid is really something special. He's involved in the receiving game. He's their lead running back. And you want to know what? Jacksonville Jaguars aren't exactly the joke of the NFL anymore. Except so, Yeah, but Blake Bortles is the king of garbage time. <laughs> <laughs> and I just wanted to hear you say and, that. And garbage, time, garbage time. and garbage time has shown that he can complete passes and he can, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't, maybe his problem is all mental, but I'm going to go with the crown jewel of the running backs in last year's draft, and I'm going to go with Leonard Fournette this week. Uh, I just think that he's been really consistent over the first four weeks of his career, and that kid is really going to be something special. And he pretty much is at this point. So I'm very, very eager to see what he does uh, for the rest of the season and for the rest of his career because – Again, that kid is really something special. So I don't necessarily know if his performance this week garners him as one of the uh, best fantasy players this week, but I think his consistency over the first four weeks of his career definitely could get him into that list. And I've been very, very impressed with him. And you know that I was talking with you when I was doing my draft in that league. He wasn't who I had wanted in the second round. I wanted Jayadai. Mm -hmm. But Jay Jai got picked um, two picks ahead of me, and I knew that if I waited till the third round to grab Fournette, he still wouldn't be there, and I grabbed him. And I'm really glad that I took him in the second round because that kid, again, that kid is so something special. And if his 
you know, start to his rookie campaign is any type of way indicative as to what his career is going to be. I don't want I don't want to jinx him, so I'm not going to like give any type of projections. I don't want the poor kid to get injured and and end his career. But you know, the, he really doesn't have a ceiling. No, I agree with you. I I I, I have Leonard Fournette in one of my leagues as well, and he's been probably one of the most consistent players. I've had in my offensive starting lineup right now because Ben Roethlisberger has been a disappointment this year. Uh, Terrell Pryor finally showed up in the 2017 regular season. Great to know you. Uh, Amari Cooper has been a disappointment too. So Leonard Fournette has been my one of my most consistent players this year. And anybody that has him, they understand he's the offense is coming through him, and he and he's paying off huge dividends. So I like that pick consistency. And that's what you need in fantasy, especially when we get now in the week five and bye weeks are starting to show up. You need that consistent player, especially in your running back. Right. Running back is so scarce with people getting hurt. He's the guy that you definitely want to have. Especially when your wide receiver core includes Julio Jones, who is yet to find the end zone. And he's hurt too. Oh, he's not going to miss any time because I have a bye week this week. But right. So in his place, I started Robbie Anderson this week. And I think that's your sleeper pick of the week. If you've got Robbie Anderson against the Cleveland Browns, start him now. Yes. If you don't, if you have him on your bench and you do not start him this week, then you are never going to start him and you might as well drop him and pick up something else. Mm -hmm. I agree. Because I think the Browns are going to put all their attention on Jermaine Curse. That's just my opinion. I think they're going to go full Jermaine Curse. And we saw what a PY receiver can do to him. PY yeah. destroyed them a couple of weeks ago. And Anderson's got yep. speed to do so, the same I mean, thing. This coming week for your power play of the week, I got to go with Pride Temple University, Robbie Anderson. T for Temple U University, fight for the cherry and white. That's what I got to go for. And, you know, this is the first time that I'm starting him on my roster, so I'm not being a homer and I'm not being like an alumni nepotist or anything like that with <laughs> Let's just get that out the way. Now, I, hey, I, in my in my column last week, I highlighted Robbie Anderson as one of the guys people should pick up because he's he's got the he's got the skills and he's got the potential to be that deep that deep threat that everybody's looking for in the NFL. And then the perfect situation with the Jets where he's going to get a ton of targets and balls thrown his way. Yeah, but so hey, I yeah, like but it. those of us that were smart. Drafted him in the late round. Yep, I did. <laughs> I did. I did too. <laughs> and then a couple. Other I think I dropped him in like the last round off the waiver wire. Yeah, because because mm. a lot of people not thinking that like just wide receiver. Come on now, they ain't got no quarterback. That don't mean anything. It's that means he's gonna get the ball receiver. one way or another. Yeah. Especially like the just wide receiver. That's not the number one wide receiver. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Exactly. Now, if he was the number one, I'll be concerned because I'm like, all right, they're going to take him out. But they're probably thinking Jermaine Curse is the guy that we need to really, really need to handle and focus ourselves on. So I like that. Robbie Anderson, I like that pick. If you want yeah, that he's pick, the power I'll see it on Total Sports Live. He's most certainly the power play this week, especially like if you've got some receivers on by, which I do. I have Julio Jones and Emmanuel Sanders on by, so – I kind of didn't have a choice, but I really also felt good about the matchup. I started Robbie. I have Robbie Anderson on my starting lineup, and I have Kelvin Benjamin benched. 
So it's not like I didn't have any other options. Hey, I like it. There's your power play of the weekend. Before we wrap up, let's talk about the fills real quick. Uh, and the fills, you know, they wrapped up the season, beating the Mets 11-0, 66-96. To, to wrap up the year, it wasn't. Another, it wasn't a great season. Uh, Pete McCannon, he's out as the manager. He quintessentially fired him. He's now moving up to the uh, front office for next season, probably just because he's still on the contract, but there'll be a new manager. They sh- the, the young kids really show what this team can become and the potential it has for 2018. I think there's a lot of promise with this team and all they need is to add another pitcher here because Aaron Nola showed you after he got through his rusty first couple of starts that he's actually a really good, 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 good pitcher. And I'm excited for 2018. I really am. What about you? I am too. I think Velasquez needs to be moved to the bullpen. I think that's where he needs a much better role. Um, Mm -hmm. They need a closer. You're right. Yeah, well, I don't, I don't, but see, I don't know if, uh, I would like to see Velasquez more as a setup guy than a closer. Hmm, I like that too, because Neris actually had yeah. some days in the season, so he might be your guy. I, well, I'm not exactly saying that Neris is the closer either. I'm just <laughs> saying based on, listen, there are certain mentalities in the bullpen that one has to have. Like, there's a certain mentality that exists with long relievers, and usually the long relievers are starting pitchers that transition to the bullpen. Um, there's mentalities that have to do with setup guys and different mentalities for closers. It's very rare to see a Ryan Masson who goes from career setup guy to, like, amazing closer. That, that just doesn't happen all the time. I think Velasquez could fill either role, but I would like much more to see him as the shutdown setup guy. Because if he gives up a hit here and there in the eighth inning, it doesn't really like not necessarily matter, but it's not as um, it's not as uh, I can't find the word. It's not as unnerving as when someone Mm -hmm. gets a hit in the ninth inning when you're a closer. Because there's like a mentality that it has. I'm not saying that Velasquez doesn't have the mental strength because I think he They're does. Creatures are happy. I just think, I just think that based on his pitch selection and his abilities, I think he is better fitted for the setup role than he is the closer mm-hmm. role. Mm-hmm. And you know, yeah, they need to add another starter, like one more starter, even like one more, and they can compete. Two more, and they can take the division. I honestly, uh, the one thing that I'm really, like, upset about the end of the season is I'm not, I don't, I understand why they decided to let McCannon go as the manager, but at the same time, uh, he only really had, you know, he could only work with what he had, and they didn't really give him much to work with. Or so until late in the year. Think yeah, so I don't think that firing him was really necessarily, like, a good thing to do. Not a good thing, I'm sorry. Like, the right thing. But I can get how Klintak thought that maybe a different um, a different direction was warranted. I don't know. I'm torn between wanting to give him one more year and see what he can actually do 
with a team that has the talent to compete and realizing that sometimes it's better to move on and get a fresh voice in the clubhouse. One of the names that I've seen being kicked around actually for general manager is Raul Abanez and I will go do cartwheels and strip naked in the street if he ends up getting that job. That's how happy I'll be about that. Uh, I've met Raul a couple of times. He's got a really great um, bedside manner about him. He's really intelligent. He knows the game. And I think he was always one of those players that when he was a teammate, he was relatable to a lot of people. I think he would be a good choice if he's in consideration. So he would be. I don't, I don't want to say he'd be my number one pick, but I'd be happy if they if they chose him. I That's out of the box, but I like it. I don't think that an older um, manager is the way to go. I think like a younger no. voice is, is what they need. Mm-hmm. So I, I mean. I'm 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 hopeful. I'm hopeful. They look good. They look like there's, you know, hope there and and everything. It's just uh, it's you know who's going to be the manager and how are they going to dictate the team? Like what coaches are they going to keep? What are they going to do? And at least like I feel like if they were to hire Raul, Raul having been a part of this organization as a player has some type of connection and again is a younger voice like he hasn't been retired that long and whether or not he's the actual person I would like to see someone in like a similar situation to him be the one to take over but I do love Raul so I would be very happy with that I think that's a great choice and I think we've seen that with all the team major sports teams here in the Philadelphia sports area you know they don't they haven't none of them what their current coaches took to retread. You know what I'm saying? The Sixers took a Spurs assistant coach in Brett Brown and decided to give him a chance. The Eagles, you know, took the Kansas City Chiefs offensive coordinator, who used to be the quarterback's coach here, and gave him a shot. The Flyers went the college coach route and got Dave Hackstall. None of them went the retread route. All of them been that retread route. You know what I'm saying? They already been there, done that type of guy. And now maybe it's time for the Phillies to take that out of box, out of the box mindset and go after a uh, Raul Ibanez. Like it might be a great pick because, like you said, he hasn't been retired for that long. He's he, he's still he's still like you said he's relatable. He's 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 a relatable person. He can relate to these young players because he just finished playing. And I think it would be good. It would it, that would be a that would be a great outside the box. Type of move, and I think a lot of Phillies fans wouldn't be disappointed with it. I think they would be intrigued because it's different. It's not the Buck Showalters or you know this guy or this guy that we always hear being thrown in the mix. It's something fresh, you know, a different mindset. Mm-hmm. And you want to see how he puts his guy or the group together, or it's not. Oh, let's get Dusty uh, uh, Waffin from the Miners who coached a lot of these kids, which. It's okay, but you got He has a, probably a certain type of mindset because you have to develop these kids. You don't need. You don't need a developer. You need somebody to take them to the next level, and maybe a Bonyes can do that. So I like. I, I agree with you. And we theoretically can translate this mindset to any type of field we want. 
Like, I've been waiting tables while I've been going through school for my 100 years. Um, And some of the best managers that I've ever had in waiting tables are the managers that never forgot that they were servers one time. Mm -hmm. If you can look at it like that. I've had managers that have been wonderful managers because they never really forgot what it was like to actually, like, be down on the lines and, like, do our job. You know, those make the best types of managers. So if you have a manager of a baseball team that didn't, that, you know, stopped playing not too long ago, he's going to remember what it was like to be a player and translate that into his management style. And that makes him more relatable to the players and, and makes him able, more able to to run the team. So... I saw that poll in Philly's Nation, and he didn't really have a lot of votes. But I saw that, and I was like, you know what? I didn't even think of Raul as the candidate for the for the manager, but now that I see it, I like it a lot more. But I don't want to come out here and say he's like my main choice for um, Philly general or for Philly's manager because or I have like a kiss of death where anyone I want to coach any of the teams that I love doesn't ever end up getting hired. So <laughs> I won't say it. No, I, I mean, I totally think the raw wool choice makes complete sense. And I think that would be a really good avenue for them to go because you get someone who's familiar with the organization, someone who's young enough to where they just retired a couple of years ago, someone who was like a really good player when they played. And not only was he a good player talent wise, but he was a good player, and he got down. He got his knuckles dirty every single game. There was no quitting that dude. Like you never saw a game where you were like, "Damn it, Raul, you could have caught that." Like no, never. I I agree with you 100. percent And so we'll see what the Phillies do because this is going to be very interesting all season for them. Like we said, manager is going to be key who they bring in. And like you said, if they get one, they bring one good quality pitcher in, they'll be competing. They bring two in, they can win the division. So, or they compete for the division. So, we'll definitely see what happens with them as the offseason will begin later this fall as the playoffs are, about to be, are beginning in uh, Major League Baseball. But that's going to wrap up the sports section of uh, the Total Sports Hot Podcast. And like we always do towards the end of the podcast, we always – like to break it down and kind of slow things up and wrap it up with Angela's final thought. Angela gives her thoughts on what's happening, not only in sports, but what's going on in the world around her, you know, just giving her thoughts on how she sees things. And this one is definitely a special one based on the circumstances that happened earlier this week with the, um, with the, with the mass shooting in Las Vegas and the 59 people that were killed and the 500-plus people that were injured. Angela is a person who's been to Las Vegas a lot, so I'm not going to say anything more. I'm going to let her take over and give her final thoughts so she can take it away. Thank you. I've literally actually been dreading this, like, the whole time we've been on on air. Um, I have been to Las Vegas three times in my life, and I – you know, a lot of my family will tell you that if you ask me about Vegas, uh, my immediate reaction is F Disney World. Vegas is the happiest place on earth. Um, I was actually supposed to be down there right now. 
Uh, my cousin and I earlier in the year kicked around coming in September because she obviously she wouldn't have been able to get time off during the summer being living at the totem pole at her job. So I was like, oh, what about like late September, early October? We still get pool time and stuff. So honestly, like it came down to me not making any money at my old job, and that's why we had to cancel the trip. But her and I actually should have been down there for that. And she's a huge country music fan. So I probably would have conceded and gone to that concert for her. And I don't want to make it about me, but, like, I'm sorry, but like, I can't stop to think about that. But I uh, I came home from work on Sunday. I watched the game. We didn't we didn't do the show. I watched my shows from Sunday. I caught the end of the Entourage movie. And then I started the original Friday the 13th in my you know, thought process was whatever. I've seen this like 400 times. I don't have to watch the whole thing. I can go to bed when I'm ready. About like 20 minutes into it, I checked Facebook and that's when I saw that something was going on in Vegas. And the page that I saw it on, you know, usually borders most on propaganda. So I clicked the link, like what's going on. I saw the video and I was like, oh, holy crap. I turned on CNN and I was glued to CNN until about, like, 4.45 in the morning until I couldn't keep my eyes open anymore. Oh, I love Las Vegas more than I love my own hometown. I have been there three times. And I feel like every year I always say that I want to go back there. And what I really want people to understand is when you book a trip to Vegas book a trip to go and cut loose and you're supposed to have like a really great time like I said like it's a running joke in my family like what I said the one time after I came back uh, the first time which actually like it was 10 years ago the first time I went when I said F Disney World Vegas is the happiest place on earth and to me it really is you know so that became like a huge joke so to see something happen to the city that I love probably more than my own hometown and to watch it unfold live on the news. It's just, it's, it was awful, especially considering it was an open air amphitheater. And we have plenty of those in this area. Um, Whatever the hell the tweeter is called now, uh, the Dell, you know, it was those people, it was literally 22,000 setting docks. So, and, you know, people want to act like this is a time to argue politics and gun control and everything. And while I understand that there is a place for that argument, right now what we need to focus on is that there are parents that have to bury their children this week, and there are children that will grow up without parents now because of this. And now we all just need to be a little bit human and put politics aside for a couple days. And in the words of Mr. Rogers, which I posted earlier, um, I always go back to that passage of look for the helpers in times like these because, you know, much like everyone in my age demo, Mr. Rogers taught me how to be a really good human being. And maybe that's why some people that are younger than us aren't, like, growing up to be, like, compassionate 
like we did because we, they don't have Mr. Rogers. But I always look back to that passage about look for the help, look for the helpers, because there are always people willing to help. And you know, there was the Marine that borrowed the truck that had the keys in it that transported like 30 people to the hospital in two trips. There were people that broke down those man-made fences and formed human chains and said, and when people said, I can't go on anymore, they said, no, yes, you can. Yes, you can, and yes, you did. There were men that died shielding their wives and their girlfriends from bullets. So, ladies, next time you want to say all men are the same, you remember that. Unfortunately, it takes times like these to really make us realize how good people are because for every one of those scumbags that decide to like spray bullets on an innocent crowd of people who were just trying to enjoy a concert, there were hundreds of people that tried to get those people to safety and threw those people in the back of the pickup trucks and took them to the hospital. And a lot of lives were saved because of people like that. A lot of them. And the, and the guy that borrowed the truck that had the keys in it still, you know, that guy saved a bunch of lives. And when someone in the Vegas media called him a hero, when they interviewed him, he actually got a little bit irritated because he was a Marine. He served for 11 years. He uh, was discharged as a sergeant said, I'm no hero. This is what my training prepared me to do. Like that man rushed into that crowd and grabbed people and dragged them out of there and didn't even think of his own life. And a lot of people did the same. So I really hope that this is what we can focus on. You know, 58 people dead, over 500 injured. I don't even know what to say about that, especially to say that it happened in a city that has brought me nothing but joy and a lot of other people brought them nothing but joy. But in the immortal words of Mr. Rogers, we need to look to the helpers and focus on them. And that's that's where our, our faith in humanity gets renewed and restored. So to everyone that did whatever they could, whether it was shield someone from bullets or break down those fences to pull people through them, dug holes underneath them, the barrel underneath, stole trucks to transport people to the hospital, those cab drivers that picked people up and took them where they needed Every single last one of you. You are what makes this country great. Kindness of strangers and willingness to help in situations like this. That is what makes this country great. So I really hope that if there's anyone out there listening that was one of those people that helped someone that they had no idea who the hell they were, just know that you are what makes this country great and you are what makes us still have faith in humanity regardless of what's going on. And that's really all I have to say. <laughs> well said. I don't think 
I don't think no one could say it better, or even I could say it better with, like you said, a senseless, senseless violence that happened. And like you said, you look towards the helpers and you just hear the stories of the first responders, the people who risked their lives to save others or stay with people until, you know, they eventually, you know, passed away. But yeah. just I'm sorry. I didn't them. even, yes, thank you to the firefighters and the cops. I didn't even, like, thank you. I, I'm sorry that I completely didn't even mention them. That's obviously the, the squad team that's at the duty out. Obviously, the cops and the firefighters and the EMTs in that situation deserve a whole hell of a lot of respect, too. Yeah. And like I said, those guys and, like I said, people that, you know, stay with people till you know, stay with them, even though they were, they might have, they were going to, you know, die just due to their injuries, just stay with them. And with them, I think, is, you know, it's, it's you know, things like that. But, um... That's going to wrap up the podcast. I'd like to thank everybody once again for tuning in. You can uh, continue to keep on checking us out here on blogtalkradio.com, but also on the TuneIn Radio app and iTunes, the podcast app. Make sure you go there and hit the subscribe button. Please go do that. You won't regret it. Uh, make sure you check out totalsportslive.com. we got a lot of great stuff coming for you guys the rest of the week. Flyers hockey is starting up, very, is starting up tomorrow night. Wednesday night against the um, San Jose Sharks. So, Kate Hemsley, she's on the case, breaking down some uh, some flyer stuff this week. So, we're going to look out for that. Obviously, Adio has his NFL picks with his brother, Atiba. Matt has you with his Eagle stuff. Angela will have her very her very good fairy tale-ish minstrel tale of the Phillies and where they, where they, where they came from and where they, how they've come to be now in terms of the future. So we'll be on the look over that. It's going to be very good. Uh, we'll just mix it whatever else happens. We'll mix it all in and bring you a good product. So check out TotalSportsLive.com. Follow us on Twitter at TotalSportsLive. Like the Facebook page. And I think that's about it. So for me and everyone, have a good one. We'll talk to you guys on Sunday, hopefully talking about three straight Eagles wins in a row. And if that happens, Man, this city is going to be on another level. Can you imagine 4-1 and one and all the calls that might be coming in? The sports radio and social media, it could be a very good day in Philly. But if they lose, it might not be pretty. But we'll, we'll get there when we get there. Well, let's not jinx it. So for me and everyone, uh, have a good one and stay safe out there. Bye, everyone.